You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I am Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCourt. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. As this is the last episode of the year, in theory, right before Christmas, if you celebrate it, if not, hopefully you at least get the day off. And if not, hopefully no one bothers you. I don't know. I've worked a lot of Christmases, so. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to wrap up this year with a Christmas-themed documentary. We're going to talk about what would Jesus buy? Mm, Good question. This is done in 2007. It's an hour and 31 minutes long. I rented it on Amazon Prime. And it's directed by Rob Ben Alkman. Ben Alkmaid, even. I'll get it right. It's a strong name either way. Yes. Yes. Sorry, Rob. A lot of gravitas. I, I believe a director with a name like that. Correct. Correct. If he had gone with Robert, I might believe him a little bit more. Just saying. Maybe if you would have put an initial, like a J, we know that the J initial is strong. So, Absolutely. Oppenheimer taught mm-hmm. us that, if mm-hmm. nothing else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So our documentary this week has a really strong opening, in my opinion, because it's all talking about the trappings of consumerism, capitalism. It's all about news clips of people being like, shop till you drop, and all the stuff's on sale and shoppers everywhere are clamoring to get the latest to do, which is so irritating to see it a in context and also out of context, Mm -hmm. but very familiar at the same time. Right. I like that. They start with a bunch of like facts, right? They sprinkle in some statistics, if Mm -hmm. you will. So they talk about the fact that American stores could fit every living person in North America, South America, and Europe inside it. All at one time. That's a, that's a lot of space for American stores. And the point of that is to say we used to be a nation of makers. We used to produce things. And now we just consume everything like a plague of locusts, mm-hmm. but in pretty stores. Hopefully they're pretty at least. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They talk about when this was filmed, of course, it was 2007, but they talk about it's the first time since the Great Depression that the household savings rate was below zero. 60% of Americans were in long-term debt with their credit cards. People only spend about one hour a week in religious or spiritual time. That doesn't bother me at all. And over five hours a week shopping. That number, I would like to think, no, I wouldn't like to think, I assume, has increased considering how easy it is to shop online casually as you're doing everything. You don't have to go anywhere. You just sit at home while the TV's on and shop mindlessly. Right. And some of that could be driven by the algorithms and your social media. Like one time I said out loud that I wanted new slippers and then all the new slippers are presented to me whenever I'm on Instagram or whatnot. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Big Brother putting that right in my line of sight and I as an American have no self-control and I want instant gratification every second. Mm-hmm. So I will sweep through there and grab the most wonderful pair of mucklucks or whatever it is. I'm sure they make a fine product, but nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Over 15 million Americans may be clinically addicted to shopping. 
I can absolutely see that. Three quarters of the people view Christmas with more dread than anticipation. I could absolutely see that too, because I have at times. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they say half a trillion dollars at the time will be spent over Christmas and over 5 million tons of extra waste will be created for Christmas. Just the buying of shit. Yeah. Well, like I know as a, a parent, it is difficult when you have especially little kids because they, the excitement of opening gifts on Christmas morning is a pretty big deal. It's an experience that you want to give your children because that's what we're taught that good parents do. Mm -hmm. But to understand where all that shit's going to go after it's opened is difficult. So there's usually, I mean, hopefully accompanied with a big clean out of last year's crap because the kids do age out of things and they do grow clothes and Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But like, you can only have so many like Barbie playhouses and He-Man castles and whatever. I think I just showed my age there. It still makes me very happy. You probably should keep that if you have one of those, but. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I was thankful my oldest, his birthday is almost exactly six months away from Christmas. So (laughs) twice a year I could purge and just sure. get rid of stuff. But my ex was one of those people that felt like he, or we at the time had to buy so much stuff. Like he felt like he didn't get very much when he was growing up. So he wanted his kids mm-hmm. to have so much of everything. And I was like, this is stupid. There's no need for all. Like he would go well into debt so far just to buy stupid shit that no one needs. And that is reflected in this documentary too. Cause there's one lady mm-hmm. that talks about, it takes her months, like almost to the fall to pay off what she accrues in debt mm-hmm. at Christmas time the year before, because um, that is what love is to her. Like she wants to give her children the joy of, I don't know, stuff gluttony. I'm not sure what that's called, but, and they do show what their house looks like on Christmas morning. And it's, it's really um, almost cartoonish to see the level of presence that they have. Yeah. And how you teach a child to appreciate what they have in a situation like that, I think would be really, really difficult. So yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Right. So this documentary has two kind of visions, if you will, you have, Mm -hmm. you have the one side, which is the, the what is it the stop shopping church which is run by the reverend billy and we follow him and his ministry for lack of a better word choir show whatever around the country trying to get people to cool their consumerism not stop it entirely just kind of slow down and you also see the other side of people who are just buying 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 why are you buying what do you want why do you Mm -hmm. want it type of thing so it's an interesting Mm -hmm. dichotomy but it also shows what he's up against this whole time. Right. Right. So you're talking about a guy named Billy Talon, the Reverend Billy. Imagine in your mind's eye, dear listener, he looks like Christopher Walken in A View to a Kill. He's got a little bit of revivalist energy, right? Uh, kind of a Southern Baptist mm-hmm. minister feel. Like, um, oh, what's that hairstyle called? Pompadour. That's what I'm looking for. Like a little bit rockabilly too. Um, mm-hmm. So he's really got quite a presence. And they take their stop shopping message on the road. But I I would like to understand your take on, is this real? Is this a real church or is this performance art? Because I could not tell at the end of the day, which is fine. 
Right. It is very difficult, right? Because it is very performative. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning, you see them, you know, you see the sermons, for lack of a better word. And like you said, it is very, very Southern Baptist. It is so over the top. And you just wait for him to lay hands and heal people. But <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> but <laughs> they, then they do towards the end, you hear them kind of get into uh, talking about God and things like that. Like they're not necessarily preaching, but they bring it into the message enough that I'm mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't know. Right. But it, it seems like they might bring in and say something like, look, Jesus was not really about spending a lot of money. He was really about taking care of the poor and blah, 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 which I, I'm not a scholar of the Bible, <laughs> religious theologian by any means, but that seems pretty apparent to me. It wasn't about, Hey, you know what? Christmas should be, should just be about buying a lot of stuff. Right. But we of course have bastardized everything um, here in America and we can't help ourselves. But yeah, I really like that when they do go on the road, they're driving like, vintage old school buses they use plant-based fuels right Mm because there's definitely a big time when he was like well all that shit froze and we had to go with diesel and he was like please forgive us (laughs) it's really funny (laughs) yeah but you kind of get the sense that they are practicing what they preach in essence like Mm -hmm. they're not just like sometimes we shit on televangelists of olden days because they were like we're gonna give you know and then you have mansions and Mm -hmm. helicopters and shit It's, it's just hard to make that message consistent. Right. And I do like their message to the extent that they're not, they're not telling you to stop anything. They want you to stop and think more than anything. So where was this made? Who's getting the money? Like they said, when they, at one point they stopped at a town and he needed a sweater because it was cold. And so they went and they looked for a locally owned shop, which was this little shop and this, this guy mm-hmm. was running it. And they're, they want to know that the money's going back into the community, that it's not going off to some big retailer somewhere. The community's going to benefit from this. And I can appreciate that sentiment. I try to do that when I travel, especially after we covered that documentary about it. So it's there's nothing wrong with what they're saying. The way they get the message across is a little bit questionable. Right. It's a counter-messaging situation. Um, but they are protesters to the core like they're a little bit rebellious and that is so fun to watch because they show up at a lot of places that are not welcoming like this is not Mm -hmm. planned performances because they are on the street they are going to your local starbucks which i'm like i know that it's wrong that i love it so much it's a great reminder yeah but you know they make a fine holiday drink so they do let me have a little fucking joy in my life a little (laughs) joy Truth, truth. If there was a local coffee shop nearby that was as convenient that I could order online and run in and pick it up and that, I would totally do it. The nearest local coffee shop is like 10 miles away. So what am I supposed to do? I guess we're supposed to start around. That's what, that's the answer. Yes. That's absolutely Mm -hmm. what we need to do. So not only do we talk a lot to the Rev Billy, um, he has a wife and her name is Savitri. And she is the church director and involved with the choir, kind of a, I don't know, a focal point of the choir. I wouldn't, is she the director of the choir? I didn't necessarily get that, but it is a choir of 35 singers and a seven piece band. So I can get behind that they're bringing their uh, 
musicians along on the trip. They're not just using tracks, which, you know, is fine also, but this is just a little bit cooler, I think. Mm -hmm. So, and the performance is great. The songs, they tend to like around this time, they're doing a pre-Christmas tour, right? So they're taking traditional Christmas songs and they're changing the words ever so slightly to make it anti-consumerism. And it's pretty witty. Most of them are pretty good, actually. Yeah, it reminded me kind of a Weird Al, the way he takes, yes, you know, and kind of morphs them into like, um, you know, what he wants and retains the all the memorable stuff, right? And I mm-hmm. just think that that's so clever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they do. They also do a lot of the documentaries do a lot of like interviews on the street and in the malls and in the stores and that. And I just have to point out that one of my favorites, and actually this was one of the little girls they showed in her house. They asked her what she wanted for Christmas. And she said an outdoor dog, fairies, and for Rudolph to come to her house. And I'm like, I love all those things. I bet she got none of that for Christmas. Right. Only indoor dogs. Mm -mm. Lots of indoor dogs. It was just such a weird thing, right? Outdoor dog. Like her parents are probably like, we don't want one in the house or something. (laughs) That's a kid's perspective, right? Like just unaware Mm -hmm. of kind of logistics of why and that kind of thing. But yeah, totally a kid answer. Mm-hmm. If she's the little dark haired girl, mm-hmm. that's definitely, I mean, she has got, it, you know, she looks like she lives in the house from the toy. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> so much stuff. Such a good movie, guys. Go watch. Oh, so good. And her parents men- mentioned feeling pressured to go beyond what her needs and wants are. And I'm like, I hear you. It is difficult to just cover the basics. Cause then you are like, well, this is, you know, not what it means to be affluent or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's difficult. Um, but it's a, it's a great message to say that there's a lot of pressure, um, from different places, you know, to mm-hmm. buy. Mm-hmm. Well, and let me ask you about that. So one of the things they cover in the documentary is the fact that you know, advertising and marketing towards kids. So they mentioned that in some countries it's illegal to market to kids under the age of 12. And of course, that's clearly not the case here. But I'm curious what you think, because like, I don't watch commercial television anymore. We don't even have an antenna. <laughs> we don't have cable. So I don't see commercials right. on TV. And I know like kids watch YouTube and they're online. So I'm wondering how much of the messaging gets to them is it even more targeted because that's where it's coming from and it's like ai now or i'm just have no idea i guess i don't know either because i mean mine are older so i would think that marketing for them with like games and shit like that would probably be one of the bigger ones but i think marketing comes in many forms and let me tell you about one in particular that used to drive me fucking crazy was elf on the shelf Mm. my youngest wanted Riley wanted Elf on the Shelf and it was because everybody else at school had one and they were talking about it and he was like if I don't have an Elf on the Shelf does that mean I'm a bad kid and I was like well fuck now I have to have it you know what I mean so I had Mm -hmm. to go out and get Elf on the Shelf and um, I hated that thing every Christmas forever I think it still exists Uh, we don't move it around quite as much anymore but you know it's the devil we had Elf on the Shelf for Lane But he was an extremely compulsive child. And so I was like, if Mm -hmm. you touch him, because that's the rule, right? If you touch him, then he goes away, disappears. He couldn't not touch him. It took one day and I never had to see it again. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not us. Riley was the kid who was like, okay, I'm going to put like a toothpick and a toilet paper roll and uh, two paper, uh, like two paper clips and a rubber band. And I'm going to see what he creates out of it. <laughs> so my happy ass is up at 11 o'clock trying to make some MacGyver shit where he's hanging off the chandelier or whatever. It's, it's a light. It's not a chandelier. We're not that fancy. Um, <laughs> but he would write it notes and we had to write notes back. It was just, uh, that's the problem with having an artistic and creative child. Mm. <laughs> he's artistic and creative and all his pursuits. And I was just, uh, yeah, yeah. It was neat. Love you, Riley. Love you. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, that was the one time that that compulsive behavior really came in handy because normally it was like, <laughs> oh, just stop. And this time I'm like, oh, look, he's gone. Darn. Right. And there were several instances where we like ran out in the morning. I say we, but I mean mostly me um, <laughs> to move it before anybody else got up or like we had like, oh, my God, he forgot to move. Oh, the weather was bad. He didn't fly back to the North Pole last night, like some kind of parent garbage that you, you know, come up with on the spot. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just can't wait to make them take care of me when I'm old. That's going to be my reward for being a good mom now. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> or put me in a really nice home. I don't know why people are so anti like retirement homes or nursing homes. Listen, shit, they'll put you in a little bus. They'll take you to shop. You get to play cards with your friends. I don't see a problem. I think it depends on the quality of the establishment you get to go oh, to. I think yeah. there are folks that get that a lot of that, that choice but I agree with you I think there's an there's um definitely an element that sounds like it's like a field trip and it's super fun um, <laughs> but not all of them so yeah. I'm ready to move in now if they'll let me but I think they have right I'm already getting AARP stuff <laughs> sent to my house and it's just insulting at yeah. 45 so <laughs> Ugh. first the colonoscopy now this <laughs> We've gone, gone way off track. Anyway. Good times. Good times. Okay. Anyway, I like that in this, to, to kind of give you an idea of, um, I don't know, more educational background to consumerism or whatever. They do interview a lot of people. We have um, Christmas historians. We have child psychologists, different authors and that. Most of them pretty much say the same thing. Like, mm -hmm. this is bad. This is kind of what we have created. <laughs> Um, right. We're taught from a very young age that to love someone is to buy them stuff, which is also, I would think, why we buy ourselves stuff when we feel bad. Maybe it's a way to show ourselves a little love. I mean, yeah, I think that that's a fair thing to say. It's um, it's exciting when you are waiting for something mm -hmm. to arrive and then you open it and you're like, oh, it's great. I love it. But it was also really exciting when I got the box. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like coming home and seeing packages on my doorstep. Oh, it's an easy, it's a very slippery slope. I totally understand. Yeah. Well, it's hard mm -hmm. when all you get in the mail are bills. And so this is, <laughs> this is something else. It's not a bill, right? That's right. I still had to pay for it, mind you, but I feel like I got more out of it. Like, it's just hard to be excited about like paying for your electricity. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It's just not, mm -hmm. it's essential. And I love it because it keeps me warm, but. And cool. Yes. Indeed. They talked to one little girl who says, oh, she's a teenager. And she mm -hmm. talked about how she would love to live in a mall. You have everything you need there. And she's had dreams about it. And all I could think of is the movie Dawn of the Dead. And that didn't work out very well for them living in a mall. So 
<laughs> maybe go watch that and then realize it's not the dream you think it is. Mm. Again, I think that's such a child's perspective, like a kid's perspective. Like there's just all this stuff, like there's stuff everywhere and you would never get bored. And I'm here to tell you, you would, you would want one fucking minute of peace. You don't want these people around you all the time. I bet that's an old grizzled woman's perspective. So. Yeah. And also you would get scurvy, like just <laughs> one vegetable. You can only eat so much sparrows or Right. Whatever other junk, horrible food they have there. That's delicious. Zero nutritional value. So eventually your teeth will just fall out. That's true. But you'd look super fly. <laughs> <sighs> they do also have some perspective of people who don't have children. There is a very posh couple who talks about their dog, Lola, their tiny dog possibly chihuahua they did not tell me specifically but somehow her christmas wardrobe was lost and i'm like is it back in the back of her closet um because she has her own closet full of tiny tiny hangers and little outfits and it's just the most it's garish right it's um it's difficult to look at something like that in these times when people are struggling it's just i mean like and however they make their money is fine and they're able to spend it on whatever they want. But if you go into, you know, a luxury, a luxury store and you're spending money on, you know, a Prada backpack for your dog, it's very, it's not going to play well in the media for you. I'm just saying. I just could not believe that this couple, it was a couple. It wasn't just the woman who walked into the store. Mm -hmm. It was a couple who walked into the store to buy this dog a new outfit. Now, they don't tell you it's a dog at first, but I'm like, oh, I know it's a fucking dog. Oh, yeah. It screamed dog. It yes. just screamed double income, no kids, right? Like, yes. And I'm like, how is he okay with this? Like, she must give the best blowjobs in the world. <laughs> I I don't know. It just seemed like a bit much. But um, I don't know. He was drinking at the end, and I'm sure that made him feel better. I mean, it can be a nice soother to the nerves so mm. and maybe their life is very pleasant because they don't have children and that dog eventually gets tired and goes <laughs> and lays down right so <laughs> oh my gosh let's talk about dr april benson mm -hmm. um she's a shopping addiction therapist and i also just want to say i had closed captioning on and the closed captioning was covering what her title was so i couldn't see it so i went to imdb to see it and the only cast they have listed in imdb are the choir members that's it all the choir members no one else yeah they don't get a lot of camera time but uh it would be nice to see the qualifications mm -hmm. of some of these experts yeah. yeah oh i went back and got it anyway mm -hmm. she talks about how because it's an addiction, people need more than just willpower, right? You need some other tools to help you get past it. Um, she gives all of her clients a card that asks them questions before they buy something. So it asks, why am I here? Not in an existential crisis kind of way, but why am I at the store, I assume? Do I need this? How will I pay? What if I wait? And where will I put it? Those questions reminded me of one of the um, financial experts that we talked about in our financial documentary. I cannot remember the name of it. Um, I was thinking the same thing, and I didn't look that up either. Maybe I can mention it later on the socials. But yeah, mm -hmm. like kind of that checkpoint 
because the idea is to break the spell of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thinking twice about what you're doing in the moment. And I think that those are strategies that probably work well for people, but you have to be willing self-aware enough. Yes. Yeah. To, to do it. So I hope it works for everyone. I hope they have a monumental recovery from shopping addiction. Yeah. I don't know. I think if you started therapy for it, you've already acknowledged that you need help. And so you're more willing yeah. to move forward. Um, yeah. But it's difficult. It's difficult. And then what do you compensate with? So for example, if you quit smoking, a lot of people take on eating and gain weight because you have that action and you're filling it with something else. So what are you going to fill this hole with? And I think this is another instance, you know, you mentioned food and I think we've talked about it before. Um, If you have um, an eating disorder, you have to figure out a way forward because you still have to eat. You can't go just go cold turkey without eating for the rest of your life. And shopping is somewhat similar because you're still going to need resource. Like you have to buy food mm-hmm. or, you know, toilet paper or whatever it is. Those are not necessarily nearly as fun, but mm-hmm. you, you know, still have to buy clothes it, every now and then. Yeah, you're going to wear out of yeah. them. Yeah. So, you know, understanding what your needs and wants are versus, you know, are these long-term wants? Are they just, kind of there's a word I'm looking for spontaneous things like Mm -hmm. like a crow it's something shiny I mean who hasn't been guilty of that from time to time Mm -hmm. so yep so all good questions I need to start asking myself is what this comes down (laughs) to I need a card like that please yeah they do ask people on the streets what would Jesus buy what do you think Jesus would buy and what what's your answer Aaron what do you think Jesus would buy I think he'd buy food for people. I think he'd buy shelter for people. I think he just didn't seem like a person who was super concerned with himself. I mean, I think that's what it would be. It wasn't um, superficial bullshit, which is a lot of what people buy. I mean, if you listen to the evangelicals, they, uh, I think he'd buy his own private plane and his own mansion and <laughs> because that's what he yeah. needs. How are you supposed to look the part of a good Christian Yeah, if you're not affluent? And it's like, that's not at all what they were talking about. So Mm -hmm. sounds great. The most common responses were Xbox, PlayStation, (laughs) Nintendos, and things of that nature. And I thought, yeah, that shows our American asses so much. (laughs) Well, I think to be fair, Jesus does look like a bit of a stoner, um, (laughs) but I don't think he acted as such right like he seemed to be a person with purpose so I, uh, uh i doubt he looked much like it either considering but you <laughs> know, our, our version of him definitely <laughs> looks like a hippie from california i think so but yeah it's interesting to kind of think a little bit about that i i like that you brought up the thing about xboxes and playstations and stuff like that because there is also a portion in those street interviews where they're talking to workers of retail chains especially those kind of in electronics like let's say a best buy person or something Mm -hmm. like that um and a lady was talking about she had been followed out to her car by like an enraged grandmother because they didn't have the right console that she was looking for for her grandkid and like that is the level of dissociation is the best word that i can say that people harass store workers and are pissed because they cannot get their hands on the perfect thing you know to give somebody. And I'm really questioning why that has to be the same. You know what I mean? Like, what is your motivation there? That's really crazy. Right. Well, they talked about an interview. Well, no, it wasn't an interview. They talked about um, a news, it was like a news blurb or something 
where a guy got shot trying to get like an Xbox 360 or whatever. And in the process of laying on the ground bleeding, he tells the customer service agents, the retail workers, to get the wallet out of his pocket and pay for it so he could still get it. No. There are more important things. If you die, what? <laughs> Just And also, who's shooting someone for an Xbox? I don't understand that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of resource scarcity, but not to that level. And I, you know, why is that okay? Why do we tolerate that? It's, it's really, it's difficult when they take it out of context. Cause a lot of times when you see, and that's not, I don't think so common anymore, but like there used to be footage of people like standing outside in lines for hours to get into, um, especially the big box stores that had a lot of like TVs or whatever for significant prices off. Like now I think they're like mm, 20% or whatever right. it is, you know, and right. it's not quite the, the deal that it used to be, but people would line up outside. They would. As soon as the doors opened, they would run in like there was a bear chasing them. People get trampled. People were, yeah, they were trampled. People were killed mm -hmm. doing this kind of bullshit. And people, I, I have never done that. I've never been a Black Friday shopper. But like, I remember stories of like when the Cabbage Patch Kids were the thing to get. And like there was, there were moms that would pick and, you know, fight each other for that shit or like tickle me Elmo. And those were things mm -hmm. like not when I was a super young kid, but kind of over time, those were the big ones that I remember mm -hmm. like Furbies were another one, like kind of that it toy that people were just willing to hurt each other over. It's a fucking toy and they're terrifying those Furbies. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> so I would say watch the movie jingle all the way. It's actually a mm -hmm. really cute movie for Christmas mm -hmm. and, and it kind of shows in a comical way, the extremes that people go to to get a fucking toy for their kid. Right. But all of those like newscast and footage and stuff is framed in a way that it looks like it's funny or it's just the way people are, you know, instead of somebody like taking a look, like taking a step back and saying, this is what we want to do. We're okay with this. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. Have you ever worked retail? I have. And I'm more familiar with the after thanks or um, the after Christmas return Ugh. barrage and how horrible that is. Um, but I've never been like working on a Black Friday like that. I have, but it was so long ago and it was um, like a music store. It was like Sam Goody. So mm -hmm. you don't have like people lining up to get in. It's not to say there weren't lines, like you were constantly working and people were always mm -hmm. at your register and you're checking out, checking mm -hmm. out, but it wasn't like it would be at like a Walmart or something like that. But I just remember so busy all the time around Christmas. Crazy. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about Walmart? Uh, so <laughs> Walmart is one of the biggest... <laughs> box stores in the world, probably the Walton family, obviously one of the wealthiest in America, if not larger. It's also one of the largest contributors of employees to welfare, right? So they don't talk about this on here, but um, Walmart employees make up a very large portion of welfare recipients and they are rewarded for that if they like they get subsidized to have people on welfare keep that in mind yeah which is really difficult to think about i was gonna say there's a guy in here that talks a little bit about that um yeah 
Reverend Andrew Young. He's mm-hmm. the chair for Working Families for Walmart, whatever that is. He talks about, you know, people have a choice. Are they going to choose low prices or high wages? And he can't make that choice for them. I would argue um, no one is making that choice other than the people at the top, right? They're the ones who would have to actually take a pay cut to make a difference. Not the mm-hmm. employees should have to do that. I digress. Mm-hmm. He says, Jesus said to feed the hungry, and there are more people being fed by Walmart than any government in the world. Does he mean because they sell food and people are buying food? Is that what he means? I don't know. He didn't <laughs> clarify. I'm like, it's a great line. But when you take it one step back, you're like, because you have a lot of locations, because, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. And I had questions about that. I do love the fact that he talks about lower, like, workers I have have to deal with lower salaries. They're losing benefits. They have more costly health care. But America isn't losing, Aaron, when you move to globalization. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. They are losing when you globalize because American workers can't compete with people who make nothing because they have no protections from government, from unions, whatever. And it's, it always pushes, the blowback always falls on the American worker because they're not willing to work for pennies like people in other countries. And I'm like, yes, different levels of desperation. Way to point that out. It's such a weird argument. It is. And (laughs) as he starts talking, it's so funny because he's like, you know, it means that workers might not make as much salary or they might be losing it. And the way it's phrased, like you're waiting for an upside. Like I kept waiting for him to say, but, but he never did. Like it never went anywhere positive. I think he thought it was going to go somewhere positive and then realized it was nothing good to say. <laughs> right. It's a really crappy um, structured argument for somebody who's appearing on camera and maybe like a talk, like a representative, like a spokesman for this organization. And I too was kind of waiting for him to say, but we're all family here or some like corporate <laughs> bullshit line. <laughs> right. They show an actual employee. She's been there for five years. She works six days a week, like 90 plus hours a week. And she's like, the benefits are good. And they're like, okay, tell us about the benefits. She couldn't, she couldn't name a single one. I'm like, oh, so they've been telling you that the benefits are good. They just haven't been showing you the benefits are good. So you just have the words. Well, and it's funny how she keeps kind of like admitting a little bit more and again, this is somebody I think that agreed to be on camera camera without any kind of preparation for what she was going to say, because when she starts talking about how much she's working, you can understand like the salary that she makes or the benefits for the hours that she's working or whatever like that. It's not a good deal for her. And it like dawns on her on camera as she's talking. And she's like, oh, you guys really got me there. And I was <laughs> like, oh, we don't, you're, you're going to get a talking to for saying that on camera. <laughs> Yeah, I hope you find a new job before this came out. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. Ugh. It's 96 hours. No, you guys, please don't do not do that. That's not normal. Mm-mm. That's not normal. I, I don't know what else to say. There are better options. Um, but places convince you that this is what we do and this is the standard. And it's not. Yeah. We meet Charles Kennigan, who's the director of the National Labor CMTE, whatever that stands for. But he talks about you know, workers in Bangladesh who make the majority of the clothes, especially low, uh, 
low cost, high volume clothes that you would see at like Walmart and that the majority of them come from Bangladesh. These people are getting paid 13 to 17 cents an hour. A lot of them are teenagers. They work almost 20 hour shifts. And he talks about how, you know, he met like a 13 year old girl who was like, I'm dying. I'm physically exhausted and dying from working like this. And then Walmart makes 10 plus billion dollars a year in profit, in profit, not just total revenue in profit. And pair that. So um, their cost to produce this stuff or buy this stuff is low because it's coming from other, these other countries. They don't have as much labor cost, or they're, they're minimizing their labor cost by paying their people a pittance and they're not able to support themselves. So then they are on welfare and the, company also makes there's a revenue stream from that too so it's like I don't shop at Walmart anymore anymore it's been a while since I've done that I think that there are places where that's the the best job around so people still do it and that's okay it's not to shit on any of these places but it it is just to say be conscious of what you're doing because dollars matter like how you spend matters which is the whole point of this documentary Mm -hmm. it is we see see a couple of teenage girls who start asking those questions that corporations don't want you to ask, right? Where is this coming from? How are people treated? Is this ethically made? And good for them because teenage girls, all of us, when we were teenagers, you're egocentric. Teenagers in general, just hundred percent. Yeah. My world, everything revolves around me. Mm-hmm. It, it is the way it is. But these girls are like, well, we didn't know. We didn't even think to ask these questions, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. So they go to a website called responsibleshopper.com. And now I want to go there. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but they were able to type in different stores, different companies, just to kind of see where are the clothes coming from. Because I tried to call some stores and they're like, we have no idea where these clothes come from. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But you could see how they treat their employees and how things are being run and make more educated decisions. And I think that's really where the power of this whole thing lies. And the machine doesn't want you to ask these questions. The machine doesn't want you to take a step back. Um, This is part of all that marketing and the drive to get you to just consume, consume, consume. So this is one of my very favorite things about the younger generations because they give a shit and they're asking these questions more as a whole where, you know, obviously we talk about Gen X folks and we're like, whatever, it doesn't matter what we do or what we say we've been ground to another early in our lives. So it doesn't matter anymore, but, um, other folks don't necessarily care. And so I'm taking some inspiration from them on that. I agree. I love Gen Z and I think they're going to save us all. They just, we just have to, uh, follow them. I'm okay with them. And I don't know, I think I maybe have mentioned it before, but like, um, the diamond like engagement ring is definitely a place where they've had a big impact because it's like, we don't need those. And the De Beers people are like, fuck. And so, <clears throat> wow, the De Beers people are freaking out because, you know, people are fine to buy a sapphire now. People are buying, you know, fine to buy whatever because the the need to look affluent and buy what people tell you to buy is not necessarily holding as much water as it used to. Right. Right. And the, the younger generation, millennials as well as Gen Zs, are very much pushing that work-life balance, which also means that they are not willing to work themselves to death to make more money, to buy more stuff, to make more money. And 
I love that. They're like, listen, experiences are more important to us. People are more important to us. And this is what makes our lives full. I fucking love that. I think we should all work towards that goal. And then all the corporations will be fucked. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they lived through the whole thing. Um, uh, housing crash in 2008, right? That said, it doesn't matter how much you prepare. You can't prepare for everything. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how good you are and how much you save. Sometimes shit just goes sideways and I might as well enjoy things when I can. Right. Um, and eat all my avocado toast. Yes. Cause it's delightful. Certainly can be. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. tasty. So, so let's go back to the Reverend Billy and his choir. They've been on tour. They've had some mishaps. There was one point where they were rear-ended on a freeway by a semi. Thankfully, everyone's okay. But it was kind of crazy and I'm sure terrifying. And they had, I think, about 13 people go to the hospital. But that did not deter them, Aaron. They rented a charter bus. They sure did. Because they got to get that message out. They can't be waylaid by Satan. I don't know. <laughs> uh Here's where I take issue. They go to Arkansas, the Walmart headquarters. Absolutely. The devil. Mm -hmm. They go to a graveyard, which is like behind the Walmart or something somewhere nearby. And they hold essentially a funeral for the American dream. Okay. This is one purely performative because there's absolutely Mm -hmm. no one here you're preaching to, but the cameraman. No one is there. Right. And then they go up to the sign, the big Walmart sign, and they're preaching there. Again, no one is there. There's a freeway where people are driving by. And so literally he's preaching to the choir. They <laughs> go back to the hotel room and they're just like defeated. Like our message just isn't getting out there. And I'm like, do you think maybe if you were giving your message to other people, that might be beneficial? Yeah, I don't know. Um there are some different places that they go that have a bigger impact, right? Mm-hmm. So they are on a, like a morning show. Mm-hmm. And also I think that they're missing an opportunity to be sponsored by white rain because the rev uses so much hairspray <laughs> when he's right. getting ready. Yes. Maybe make that phone call, sir. Uh, but they discuss that he is banned from Southern California Starbucks because they go and they are problematic at these stores. <laughs> which is really kind of funny to watch. But um, yeah, they do the performance kind of on stage and they go around to different businesses and kind of harass them a little bit. It's never in a malicious intent kind of way. It is a joyful protest if such a thing exists. Right. Yeah. But it's very like jazz funeral, (laughs) you know, like again, that Southern Baptist, because they're in their robes Mm -hmm. and they're like going around and like, telling the truth (laughs) it's just very interesting and they're pretty uh, they're pretty polite all things considered um i mean i think so yeah there were times where it looked like the rev was behind the counter at starbucks like making a mess in that and as an employee i'd be really pissed like you're just ruining my day and i'm just trying to work right right but most of the time when they're asked to leave because they are always asked to leave they generally will walk out Um, Mm -hmm. He often does get arrested for not leaving as quietly. He's not like throwing a fit. He's just continuously talking and they're like, and then they just finally just cuff him and take him. Mm -hmm. They go to the mall of America. So Mm -hmm. they got them steps in because 
I've never been there, but it seems fucking stupid big. They go, they make it all the way to California. And at one point they're outside of, I don't know, they're in a strip mall outside of a Target or something. And they're singing and preaching. But this one guy who's sitting there with like a sleeping baby and he's like, like, please just don't wake up the fucking baby. Right. So they tone it down and they start singing to the baby. And then the Reverend starts touching the baby and he kissed the baby. And I thought, no, sir, (laughs) that's not your child. Stop it. And the dad's like, well, fuck, I'm already, like, gone this far. I don't know how to, you know, extricate myself, moonwalk my way out of this. So he's just like, well, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, good times. Yeah, they said they baptized that child. Unwillingly? Yeah. No. That pissed me off a little bit, too. (sighs) Agreed. Let's do a couple facts on Mall of America. Mm -hmm. 42 million visitors a year. That's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. It's got an amusement park inside. It's got a wedding chapel because nothing, nothing makes me feel more romantic than um, a big giant mall. There's a college campus, which is fine. Whatever. I don't have beef with that at all. And at one point I thought it was a sanctioned visit because they get up on some kind of stage, but they just kind of happen to wander across it (laughs) and they get up there for a few minutes and the security is on them pretty quick. But also they have that song playing it's them like flight of the valkyries or something mm-hmm. i forgot to go back and look that up but it's just the best it's the best background music while they're just walking around and like they're on escalators singing they're coming down escalators singing they're walking around and it looks so legit until you really start to listen to what they're saying it's so funny <laughs> that's right yeah because if you just hear the music because again they're singing to like traditional Christmas songs. They're just changing the words ever so slightly. Right. The other thing that I love that they did is they went caroling house to house in an extremely affluent area. And so they're giving these people the lyrics. These people are clearly consumers because they are doing very well. Everything's very well decorated. And they're singing these songs. And these people took it so well. One guy sang along with them and they seemed to have fun with it. But I thought, Now, that's the way to hit your target audience right there. Yeah. Yeah. It is. They do such a good job in so many ways. I Like, again, I think they do play it up, ham it up for the cameras every once in Mm -hmm. a while. But they seem to really care about their message. Some of the stuff that happens with, I mean, these people are so high energy, at least when they're on camera. I would be exhausted every day. Mm -hmm. They are singing on the bus. They're singing off the bus. They're singing in the stores. They're singing in the hotels. There's no heat on some of those buses, which I would be, I'm out immediately. Yeah. But that's a lot of dedication and they're willing to get arrested. Yeah. So. Can we talk about Christmas Day? I mean, I can't wait to talk about Christmas Day with you. So Christmas Day, they go to Disneyland. Now, let me tell you that this cat clearly has an issue with Disney, as does the filmmakers, (laughs) because everything is written in like a Disney font. I don't know what it's called, but it, yeah. it has to have yeah. its own name because you know what it is. Um, they showed and copyright. Yeah. I wondered how they pulled that off. They showed the stores <laughs> often. They showed merchandise often. They talked about them often um, and how, you know, it's, an, it's seen as an American company, but all their products are made like in China or Sri Lanka. And these are not good conditions, um, you know, as we've spoken about before. So people don't think about that, right? They're just going to to this land of imagination to replace reality for a short period of time, which I don't disagree Mm -hmm. with. 
right? I, I read books for the same reason. I People drink and do drugs for the same reason, just to escape for a little bit, right? <laughs> yes. So we finally end up and we're at Disneyland. They're going to go preach about consumerism. They bought tickets. So they paid to get into Disneyland to talk to p- other people who have already paid to get into Disneyland. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is your target audience. Yeah. I, it's a funny culmination, right? Because I, I agree to you. It's like all the people who shit on Bud Light after they had, uh, you know, a trans person mm-hmm. as a representative and like you already bought that beer anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is kind of the cat's already out of the bag. You should have been protesting outside or I don't know how you necessarily protest Disney, but um, he is so pissed off about Mickey Mouse. It's kind of funny. It's hilarious. Like yeah. at the beginning, he, he's got a stuffed Mickey Mouse stapled onto a cross. Mm-hmm. That's blasphemy if I've ever seen it. Which kind of brings me back to this. I don't know how much the God portion of this really plays in. It's It's difficult to discern because I don't want to take them... I don't want to take that away from them if this is really part of their message, but that is not necessarily what they hit on for this. Correct. They, yeah, I feel like they use a lot of church tactics to try Mm -hmm. to beat their goal. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to Disney to ruin Christmas for everybody, apparently, and decide to sing and chant and do all the normal stuff down main street, right down main street. Of course you can't do that. I don't think they mentioned that Disney isn't, it's not quite like the U S you don't have freedom of speech. It's like its own country. I guess they have their own police. They have everything. You can't do whatever you want here. This is not yes. this privately yeah. owned property. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the good Reverend does get arrested. And I like that the fact that they're, they're pissed off because he's singing like that seems like it's so funny to be like, look, it's very serious around here. Okay. There's grown men dressed up as, mice and you cannot sing in our park where we run the show sir but they also before they get cracking they show a bunch of pictures of pissed off parents of exhausted children (laughs) of people crying it is like they're trying to pull apart that illusion for you because main street of disneyland is a lovely place but people are still there and it is goddamn miserable like at the end of the day or whatever. It was very funny to see all of that. It is. And if you've ever taken a kid, especially a very young kid, they're going to get tired and hot and exhausted and you cannot expect them to continuously go nonstop. You have to be patient. And I I never understood people who took like infants or like really small children who can't enjoy the rides or the princesses. Wait until I think Mm -hmm. my, well, Declan went when he was three, but that's because it was free. But you know, once he was like six and mm-hmm. he was like seven or eight before we ever took them when they were older. Right. And sure. it's, it's just too much when you're that little. And again, it's sold as you can't have a complete childhood unless you go to these parks. Like you're a bad parent. If you don't muster up the thousands of dollars required to go and take your kid to eat shitty chicken fingers. Okay. Oh it's, it's not what it's sold as, but it doesn't matter because you've already paid the money. Mm-hmm. So and it's so yeah. fucking expensive. It's so expensive. Oh my god. Anyway, uh, I laughed watching him get ready for this because he put like tearaway pants over his normal white (laughs) suit and he had his pompadour done and then tried to put a Santa hat over it. And then so, you know, he was ready to reveal himself at 
at the appropriate time. And I thought that that seems mm-hmm. like a bit much. Do you think people would really recognize you or give a shit who you are? Well, they all were incognito, right? Because they're rolling up to the gates and they're like, okay, we're a folk singing group from Utah, you know, <laughs> Salt Lake City or whatever. I mean, like they're like lining up these lies to like right. get in the door. And I'm like, do you think anybody's going to be like, isn't it true that you have been on tour for, it's just very silly to watch. Yeah, it is like buy the ticket and go in. No one cares. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. They sing outside the jail until he's released. Not, not that they got him released. They're just putting on another show, essentially. Mm-hmm. But he does get released. Merry Christmas to all, I guess. Mm-hmm. All in all, it's a really good documentary. I did really like the message. And I do think, as I've gotten older, I do start to think about things like this a little bit more. Like, what is my motivation for this? Do I really have to adhere to this? Is it really aligned with my goals? Which is the point. Right. I'm children. I'm trying to teach them not to be like mindless consumer douchebags. Um, but it is hard because they feel the pressure to fit in, to have the right brands, to look the right way, blah, blah, blah. But also, you know, we talk about things like, is there something about a product besides the brand name that you need? You know, it's just some of those like small strategies mm-hmm. that we're trying to work on. So I am yeah. in favor of spending my resources carefully. I'm not perfect at it by any means, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good message. Um, I wish, I wish more people could adhere to it. Myself included. I've got, like you said, I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but as my kids have gotten older and they understand more, I'm like, I'm not going to buy you stuff that you don't need, want. It's Mm -hmm. just going to go, you know, sit in a closet somewhere for a while just to say that I bought it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was. I liked it. Good suggestion. Mm -hmm. Who was your honorary Aaron for the week? My honorary Aaron this week is Roxanne Elizabeth who was the tiny baby that got baptized because (laughs) she had no idea what's going on around her. Um, This is an adult world and she's just coming into it. And I think, you know, figuring stuff out around you is some air and energy. So I have high hopes for Roxanne who could sleep through a loud choir baptism by a man that looked like Bond villain. So there Mm -hmm. you go. And you, who did you choose? I chose Evelyn she was a grandmother that they talked to that we didn't really talk about her, but when asked what Jesus would buy, she's like, he would buy necessities. He would, he would make sure people had what they needed. And she's like, one thing that she said that I love, she goes, look, you're reading the scriptures, but you're missing half the message. Ma'am, I think you're missing more than half the message, not her, but people. Yeah. 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 And she's like, what about helping the poor? Why did the CEO always make so much? So she really was, uh, she got it. She understood it. And I feel like that a lot. I feel like I probably speak like that a lot. And I need to to calm down a little bit. But I love Evelyn. And she's older. And she's like, tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just nice to have that confirmation that there are others out there who are trying to be that countermeasure, like that counter message, right? Like, it's rebellious to not buy into all this and it's exhausting because everywhere you go the message is the same so I dig the people that you know help me keep going I'm like oh shit I'm not the only one mm-hmm. I'm a punk rocker out here <laughs> <laughs> that's right rock on yeah party on Wayne yeah. mm-hmm. and I fully admit my tree will be full like there'll be plenty of presents underneath it but I'm hoping to just do things that you know we really want, we need, 
something fun, maybe something to read, you know, those kinds of mm -hmm. things. So, and not just focus on the gifts for Christmas and holidays, but if possible to focus on the togetherness, sometimes difficult, I will admit. So, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be a good mm -hmm. year. So this is the last episode for the year in theory. So we don't have one scheduled for next year yet. We don't have an episode picked out for next year yet to start back up. So I would say relax, enjoy your family. Hopefully you get to take some time off. Hopefully you get to take some time for yourself. You know, this mm -hmm. is a tough time for a lot of people. So try to make sure you ask for help if you need it. Right. And celebrate whatever you want to celebrate, whether it's Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, um, mm -hmm. baby Baphomet, whatever makes you happy. Celebrate. Right? Mm -hmm. Stay hydrated. That'll help. Absolutely. And don't drink and drive. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a great message. So yeah, uh, we'll see you in the new year uh, when everything will be better. Obviously. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So make good choices and we'll talk to you then. All right. Laters. Bye. Bye.